Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, folks. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of TSL Today. Today's show is brought to you by Triumph NIL. Their motto is recruit, retain, and reward. Thanks so much uh, to Triumph NIL for sponsoring today's episode. We've got an audio-only episode of TSL Today for you. I'm David Cunningham, Tech Sidelines Managing Editor, and it's a different role for me today, um, but I am joined by Nick Brown and Jack Brizendine, two of our student interns. We are down in Greensboro, North Carolina, for the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. While I'm covering the Hokies for Tech Sideline, Jack and Nick are credentialed for 3304 Sports, the student journalism hub at Virginia Tech. This is a bit of a makeshift episode for us since we're not in the Corporate Research Center in our studio, but we're going to discuss Virginia Tech men's basketball's 67-64 win over Notre Dame on Tuesday night. It'll kind of be a little bit of a roundtable discussion between the three of us over the next 15, 20 minutes. We're going to recap Virginia Tech's victory, discuss the challenges NC State poses on Wednesday night. That is a 9.30 p.m. tip on ESPN2. So first, Nick, I'll start with you. What yeah. was your initial takeaway from Virginia Tech's three-point win over Notre Dame? Well, I thought they learned how to close. They were down four with about two and a half minutes to go, and uh, Notre Dame had a lot of momentum, uh, and Virginia Tech got the stops they needed, got the big plays that they needed. Uh, I thought Rodney Rice stepped up really well in that final two and a half, uh, and it's something that Virginia Tech really struggled with in that seven-game losing streak in the middle of the year was closing and figuring out a way to win the game and figuring out how to make plays down the stretch. And they did just that. They made plays down the stretch, hustle plays. They they really looked like that they knew how to close. They looked like the veteran team out there, uh, and it really showed that they had that experience from last season. Yeah, Jack, I thought – you know, even when Tech looked like it was on the ropes, the Hokies kept fighting and, and they stayed in it. I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I asked Sean Padula after the game what sort of makes this team special in March and why they're able to find so, so much success when the postseason starts. And he kind of just said they're better when they're playing desperate. And you kind of saw it in those last couple minutes where it just seemed like there were so many times where Virginia Tech was out of it and then they found a way to crawl back into it. And I think it's just because the team's playing with nothing to lose. They've got everything to gain this tournament and really nothing to lose, so they're going to play with a little bit of different energy than they have in the regular season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Justin Mutz would call it uh, desperosity. <laughs> uh, so, so to take you through some game action, Virginia Tech got off to a hot start, led by 12 points after the first 13 minutes. 9-0 run kind of helped that going. Notre Dame called timeout, uh, and after Mike Brake did that, Notre Dame countered immediately with a 9-0 run of its own. Over the next 21 minutes, Notre Dame outscored Virginia Tech 44-27. And that's kind of where Virginia Tech controlled the very beginning, and then all of a sudden Notre Dame kind of seemed to, to settle into it. Remember, this is a team that only won three ACC games in the regular season. and uh, Virginia Tech did a good job, I thought, defending Nate Lashevsky. Yeah. Um, he had four points. He was two of eight. He had 33 points in that first meeting on February 11th in South Bend. It was Marcus Hammond, the Niagara transfer, who, who went off for a season high 23 points. Cormac Ryan chipped in 18. Virginia Tech's up at halftime, I believe, by one point. Um, yeah, 33-32. Nick, what, what was your thought at halftime? Yeah, after, you know, the Hokies controlled pretty much from the opening tip, settled in for the first eh, 
12, 13 minutes, and then Notre Dame kind of went on that run, and it became a close game really quick. Virginia Tech's defense in the first few minutes where they jumped out to that big lead, uh, that 12-point lead, I really thought that they were just – it looked like Tech was just going to run away with it and cruise to a nice uh, early win and not have to stress too much. But, you know, you go back to that game up in South Bend, it was such a back-and-forth affair. You knew that Notre Dame was going to figure out a way to score. That's not been their problem this season is yeah. scoring the ball. It's been on the defensive side. And so Virginia Tech was able to put the ball in the hoop, but they finally allowed Notre Dame, started hitting their shots. Uh, but I really thought the game plan to shut down Nate Lashesky dropped 33 in the first meeting. Yeah, he and Grant Bazzilli went toe-to-toe in that game. Exactly. It, that was a, an incredible defense effort, zero points at half. Uh, and, and I really thought, wow, if you told Mike Young with a one-point lead and Nate Lashesky has zero points, he'd be like, oh, okay. That's pretty good, and we'll cruise in the second half. But, I mean, he still had a very minimal game, and Notre Dame stayed in it. Yeah, Jack, what was your, your takeaways at halftime? Nate Lashevsky, zero points. Justin Mutz kind of controlled the, the show in the first half, eight points, eight rebounds. Yeah, I definitely thought kind of on the flip side of what you guys were talking about. You know, he's a good player. I thought definitely if he was going to go zero in the first half, they were definitely going to try to get him involved in the second half. Notre Dame's a good team. It ended up going more towards Hammond and Ryan. Hammond sort of led the way in the second half, or in the first half, rather, and they kind of ran with that. So I was kind of impressed that they were able to hold that lead despite having Hammond, who kind of just came out of nowhere after really doing not all that much in the first meeting, and they were able to sort of stay in front despite not playing the best on the defensive end. Yeah, so Virginia Tech kind of controlled the beginning. Notre Dame controlled that big middle middle section, and it was a back-and-forth affair. Notre Dame kind of had the edge up until about five, six minutes to go. Cormac Ryan hits a deep three. Notre Dame goes up five, 58-53 with five and a half minutes to go. What are you thinking at, at that point? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it kind of was over at that point. And I looked at Jack and I said, ah, that might be it. It really felt like a dagger right then and there. It was a deep three. Tech had a pretty good defense possession right there. And it just felt like, oh, there goes every ounce of momentum out of uh, Tech's wheelhouse. They battle back, and like I said, this is a team that could not make plays, could not close a game in the first, or the, that seven-game stretch, and they proved it right there. They came back, they battled back, they could have packed it in right there. I'm like, oh, well, that's it for our run right there. But they really uh, they fought hard, and, and it was a really, really good closing effort by Tech there. But like I said, when Cormac hit that, hit that shot, I'd be lying if I said that I thought Tech was going to come back and win. Yeah, Virginia Tech made a couple – big plays um they, they rallied locked it down defensively i thought they played the right kind of basketball jack outscored the irish 14 to 6 the rest of the way were you surprised with the way that virginia tech kind of rallied and were, was able to get stops when it kind of wasn't able to for that big middle chunk of the game i don't think so because i think if you looked at the the being of the game it's kind of what Virginia Tech's able to do when they when they're playing the right way, you know, you look at some of the offensive plays that were made in the first couple minutes of the game. It seemed like they were just open guys from behind the three-point arc, and they were they were hitting their shots. So this team with guys like Hunter Couture and Grant Basile, as long as you get those guys schemed open, you can kind of come back from any deficit. So despite sort of feeling like the game might have been out of reach with 535 left. You know, when you've got guys like that and you have the ability to scheme them open, anything can really happen. And, you know, it kind of just goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. You know, this team really has nothing to lose and everything to gain. So why not just chuck up a bunch of three-pointers and yeah. see if you can can make the difference and come back? Yeah, I, I thought um, there were a couple of really, really big plays down the stretch, high IQ plays. 
um, as I wrote in my in my recap on on Tuesday night, which you can check out on TechSideline.com. First, Rodney Rice hadn't scored all night. Hits a three-pointer, um, gave Virginia Tech a lift, cut the deficit to one point with 153 to go. I think that's kind of where he first started to feel like, okay, Virginia Tech might be able to do something here. Rodney hadn't scored all night. Remember, he's a true freshman. He's only played five games up to that point yes, uh, yesterday, Tuesday night, was his sixth collegiate game uh, for the freshman. And then Sean Padula kind of not even a minute later, a um, couple possessions later, he turns it over. And I think at that point, the thing running through everybody's mind was, oh, my God, this game's over. Sean yeah. Padula turns it over. And he immediately turns down, turns around, sprints down the floor, and kind of pokes the ball away from Cormac Ryan and, and snatches it back. And it... To me, it reminded me of, of what Kihei Clark did against Purdue. Yeah. Uh, against yeah. Uh, in Virginia's national championship year, where he got the ball at kind of not even not necessarily a half court, and he just fired the ball down low to Justin Mutz, who caught it, went up, and all of a sudden, Virginia Tech leads, and it's 63-62. Sean Padula, who Mike Young called the kind of a boneheaded play after <laughs> the game, and it was, but all of a sudden it went from. Virginia Tech down one, looked like the game was going to be over and Notre Dame was going to be able to run away with it to, oh my gosh, Virginia Tech's leading. Sean Padula made a huge play. Um, again, he's been on and off at times. I thought there were a couple times where he tried to do too much, but I, I thought that was the right play at the right time, and he doesn't make that play, and, and it's Virginia Tech's probably going home. Yeah, and, and that's what I meant by you know closing, figuring out, and winning the game. And Virginia Tech, after well, Strawn could have just easily like, oh, I'll let that go. Rodney's down there guarding him already. Just let him go one on one. But he knew that when Rodney was on the left side of Cormac Ryan, that Cormac was going to have to force the dribble to the right, and that made the right play. Cut over to the right as soon as he crossed over to his right and poked it away from him. And and then Cormac, if you watch that play again, poor Cormac just eats dirt right there yeah. after he gets a poor dude slams his face into the court. So then it's a helter skelter play. Notre Dame's freaking out because they don't. Everybody's out of order and wide open. Justin Mutz under the uh, hoop makes a nice pump fake and lays it in. But uh, that was that was a play. And then Rodney Rice, of course, uh, is what I meant. Those are the two big plays that really proved that hey, this team's all of a sudden making plays. And you didn't have Rodney Rice and and Darius Maddox for a good long uh, chunk of the season. Yeah. And now that Rice is, you know in game shape and can, you know, hit those plays. And the Syracuse game when he went one for nine and uh, his uh, other first game uh, against, was it Miami? Yeah, at home. It was it was okay, but he was just getting welcomed back into playing in games in his first two collegiate basketball games. But now that he's kind of settled down, that Duke game was really important to him. Uh, played really good there. Yeah. And since then, he's he's really turned out to be a good role player, and he'll be good for a while. I, I think he's been a, a good addition to the team. So, Notre Dame calls timeout with 51 seconds left. Mike Bray wants to kind of settle everything down. And then we have the the kind of crazy sequence where Matt Zona kind of gets the ball and he runs, or I don't even, he ain't even out of the ball. He runs into Padula. The refs initially call a foul on Padula. The refs go to the monitor to overturn it, and we see that Matt <laughs> Zona elbowed Padula in the face. Bleeding. Yeah, I think he had a little bit of a fat lip His afterwards. lip was huge. <laughs> um, that was an, a very interesting sequence. It took him a couple minutes. That was one of the longer reviews I've seen in yeah. a while. Um, 
the call, I was sitting next to, uh, I had the courtesy of sitting next to Brian Kersey, head of ACC officiating. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Brian Kersey kind of looked at me and was like, well, they, the way that we interpreted it was they couldn't change the call on the floor, the original call that it was a foul on Padula. You can't overturn that. But what you can do is you can say that there was a technical foul on Zona yeah. after, at, when the ball was dead, after the after the foul. So they call a foul on Padula, but then they call a technical on Zona. So Zona fouls out. Trey Wirtz shoots two free throws, and Padula shoots one, two. Padula made one. Wirtz made two. Jack, what, what did you make of just kind of that entire thing? It was kind of chaotic, and it kind of took like – five minutes to sort out. Yeah, I think people were kind of frustrated with how long it was taking to figure out, but I think it was kind of honorable of the refs to really make sure they got the right call because, I mean, we've kind of gone over it uh, in depth here is that this game was really back and forth, and a call like this really could make or break the game. Ended up really not meaning all that much because both teams got free throws, but with a call like that and a game like this with how much was on the line for both teams, they needed to go and really make sure they were making the right call. And I think a lot of people aren't used to seeing calls like that where you get to stick with one call on the floor yeah. and add another one. But it was an interesting sequence, and, and I think they handled it as best as they could. Yeah, Mike Bray, uh, Mike Bray kind of ripped the referees after the game. <laughs> yeah, he, said, he did. He said, I'm no longer an ACC head coach, so I can't get fined, which I'm sure he probably still can. <laughs> um, during the timeout, Hunter Couture told me this after the game. During the timeout, Hunter Couture – told his team to run a play for Justin Mudd. So Hunter Couture, after that timeout, Virginia Tech got the ball because of the technical. Couture starts in the corner right in front of Virginia Tech's bench, and he's guarded by Cormac Ryan. Dane Goodwin is guarding Justin Mutz, who had who got the ball at the top of the key, and Hunter Couture slowly slid up and kind of, as he said it, wedged his defender, Cormac Ryan, into Dane Goodwin, which... No, it wasn't a foul or anything. No. It was just a good, clean play. Yeah. And two Notre Dame defenders basically ran into each other. That left Justin Mutz wide open. Easy rack or easy trip to the rack. Um, he slams it home, two-handed dunk. In my opinion, that was one of the plays of the game. Yeah. Because he does that, makes a great play. Couture explained it to me after the game that that's exactly the look that they wanted to draw up. And then on the following possession, Tech's playing defense. Rodney Rice, again, somebody who we hadn't talked about a lot. He had Mm-mm. that three-pointer earlier but hadn't done a whole lot. He's guarding Cormac Ryan and forces him into an insanely tough miss with about 15, 20 seconds to go. Uh, Virginia Tech gets the rebound. Sean Padula grabs it. They foul him. He makes one free throw. And then we go down to the end. And, uh, you know, Nate Leshevsky has a, a good look at the, the rim. Uh, as time expires and misses and Virginia Tech holds on. What would you make of kind of the ending sequence and, and kind of the critical plays Virginia Tech made at the end? Well, people are going to forget, too, is Mutz right before Leshevsky's three. Yeah, he blocked the Mutz shot. blocked the three-pointer that would have tied it. Now, I mean, it was a fall-away, fade-away three with like five seconds left, so I don't I don't know if it was going to go in. You can never say that because it was blocked. And then uh, Mutz hustled for it, and oh, if he was just two inches away, he would have tipped it. He did tip it back in play uh, to a hokey, but – his foot was on the line, obviously, and that set up Leszczewski's perfect shot. I just couldn't hit it. Uh, it was, like I said, defense down yeah. the down the stretch, they, man. They closed out pretty well. Exactly. Yeah, Jack, what did you make of it? I thought it was really, really nice because, you know, one thing that also you didn't 
really take into account, I think, for the people watching is they've made a very good effort to not foul. Because yes. if you foul in that situation, that's almost as bad as giving up the shot. Yeah. Because time doesn't come off the clock. So that was one thing I noticed. I thought it was really – it showed a lot about, I guess, the strength of this team to make two big – stops in that moment with all that on the line and and not make a mistake right after making a really great play on offense as you guys mentioned so i think it showed a lot of maturity that tech's kind of maybe not put on display this year but that it actually has with all the veteran depth on the team so nick and i are looking uh at the same tweet from donna de Toto of syracuse.com jane Beheim officially after a kind of wild press conference earlier jim Beheim officially uh retired no more zone, he baby. Said it. He, kinda, <laughs> he, he said it, and he didn't say it, yeah. but he did say we it. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, 47 years for Jim Beheim at Syracuse. Man, she was pressing him in the press conference, yeah, too. <laughs> good, good, yep. for, good, for, good scoop for Donna. Um, so a couple big plays there at the end. Rodney Rice, Justin Mutz, Sean Padula. Kind of a, a good team effort. Couture. Uh, Justin Mutz finishes with a double-double, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Game high, 20 points for Bazilli. Padula had 13. Couture had 11. We already kind of gave our overall thoughts. So now Virginia Tech turns the page. Tonight, Wednesday, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. The Hokies tonight face NC State, sixth seed uh, in the ACC tournament. Hokies are the 11 seed. They played once in Blacksburg, January 7th. Rodney Rice, Hunter Couture, both did not play. Couture had his fractured elbow. Rice had his ankle injury still, had not recovered previously. Wolfpack won that game by four, 73-69. This, on Wednesday night, is NC State's first game in over a week. They were kind of the rotation team that had the weekend off, the final weekend of the regular season. They played at Duke and lost last Tuesday. So they haven't played in over a week. Uh, finished the season on a two-game losing streak, lost to Clemson. Lost three of the last five. They lost to Syracuse in that stretch, too. What are you expecting tonight, Jack? What does Virginia Tech need to do to be successful? NC State has two really good guards in Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, and uh, DJ Burns is kind of a handful down low. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there. Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, they combined for 43 in the first meeting. It's going to be really, really a big point of emphasis for Virginia Tech to really man up in the front court, which, as you guys both mentioned earlier, Rodney Rice and Hunter Couture will be back for this game. So that's a big, big addition for Virginia Tech. And, you know, only lost by four in Blacksburg a couple months ago. This could be a really, I don't want to say a game that you should expect Virginia Tech to win, but certainly not one you expect them to just lose handily. So I think this will be a, a different game than the one you saw in Blacksburg simply because of, you know, we kind of know what to expect from NC State now yeah. as far as their approach. And now you've got two really good defenders in Rodney Rice and Hunter Couture coming back. This could be a really, really tight game that maybe people who are coming into it looking at, you know, NC State, Virginia Tech might not, might not anticipate. Yeah, I think... NC State's athleticism is so, so dangerous. Terquavion Smith has given Virginia Tech problems in the past. Jarkel Joyner has been really, really good this year. I think Virginia Tech's got to stay locked in for 40 minutes, and I don't think the Hokies are really going to be able to rely on kind of a last-second effort down the stretch. No. Nick, what do you think? Well, I, I think people are also forgetting, like, oh, well, Virginia Tech didn't have Hunter Couture in the first meeting. Well, they had Darius Maddox hit three threes in the final minute to make it very interesting. If it wasn't for Grant Bazilli turning it over with about 25 seconds to go, they would have had a look to tie the game uh, in regulation. So that, uh, you know, people are going to forget that. But, you know, Terquavian Smith and Jarkel Joyner had insane first half against Virginia Tech. And then in the second half, 
they fell off. Uh, Virginia Tech really shut them down in the second half, made them shoot bad three-pointers. Nothing was open, uh, a lot of fallaways. So that's going to be huge. It's going to have to run those guys off the line, yeah. uh, the three-point line. And then DJ Burns. Grant Bazzilli was not playing his best defense at that time in yeah, that 70 stretch. I think Bazzilli is a whole kind of different player exactly. on the defensive end right now. Yeah. One of the things I'm curious to see is how much production Virginia Tech gets from the bench. Wasn't a lot uh, no. la last night um, against Notre Dame. Elijah Poteet played a little bit. Lynn Kidd played some. I, I think you're going to need more bodies, especially if NC State yeah. gets Virginia Tech in foul trouble. Yeah, Mike Young talked about in the press conference. He wanted to go a little bit smaller yesterday uh, against the smaller lineup with, yeah. with Notre Dame. Uh, so that's why you didn't see a lot of Poteet and Kidd. Uh, but this time... There's some good bigs for NC State. I mean, this is a good team. This is not a bad NC this State team. This is an NCAA tournament team Exactly. NC State. Yeah, Kevin and Keats, so they Kevin are, Keats has co coached them up well. Exactly. But they're not deep. That's the one thing. So if Virginia Tech can win the bench battle, I, I really think Virginia Tech can pull this one off. And and, and I don't know. It, it's it's really going to be a toss-up. Virginia Tech in their struggles yeah. it, it, earlier in the season, it was close. It was a good game. Uh, but like I said, Terquavian Smith was – kind of bad in the second half, and that really opened the gate for Virginia Tech. And, of course, Darius Maddox going crazy in the final minute. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, it's This is really a toss-up game that yeah. I couldn't I couldn't tell you who's going to win. Yeah. To, to give you a, a look at the box score from the last game, that was in Castle Coliseum January 7th. To Cravion Smith at 22 points. Joyner had 21. Casey Morsell, I think he could be next factor tonight. He had 15, was 2 of 3 for yeah. 3. They only made five of 21 three-pointers. Tech could have did a good job in that area defensively. But that was, again, no Hunter Couture, no Ronnie Rice in that game for the Hokies. Sean Padula led the way with 19 points. Darius Maddox, who's not played uh, in almost two months now, I think. Um, he had 16 points. Lynn Kidd had 14. I think Lynn Kidd's the, the guy to watch off the bench tonight. I think he could have a, a big impact. Justin Mutz had nine and eight. Grant Bazzilli was quiet, four points. NC State did a good job defending him. I'm curious to see how... Uh, how it goes tonight. Yeah, I don't think that will happen again. You know, Grant Basile has arguably been the Hokies' best option on offense the last couple of weeks. So I think for for this game, it's going to take a different approach from both teams as far as defending. defending. And, you know, Grant Basile, now he's got other guys back like Hunter Couture and, yeah. and Rodney Rice. I don't want to belabor that point, but it is a big point to make. Um, so I think you'll see a different – you'll see different teams on both sides. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, Jack, Nick, appreciate you guys joining me. We'll have more coverage from Greensboro over the coming days. Go check out all of our stuff at techsideline.com. And go check them out at 3304 Sports, too. Uh, Nick and Jack are doing some great stuff, calling some games, writing some stories down here as I am for uh, techsideline.com. Uh, Nick, Jack, again, appreciate you guys' help. Um, there's baseball stuff, baseball coverage, softball coverage coming up on Tech Sideline this week, as is men's basketball coverage, the women. Um, they are off this week. They've got spring break, which is pretty nice for them. After, of course, they won their ACC tournament. We did a podcast on that on Monday with uh, Giovanni here, Will Stewart, myself, Nick Brown, I believe, produced that podcast. Yes, sir. So um, go check that out. And uh, the women's basketball team has, of course, their selection show on Sunday night at 7 p.m. in Castle Coliseum. Uh, that'll do it for us, for David Cunningham and, and the rest of the Tech Sideline crew here in Greensboro signing off. Appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later.